Welcome back. It's the Bill Michaels Show. Bill, back tomorrow and Friday and going forward. I'm Ben Kenny. He's Grant Bills. We're in for Bill today. 877-867-1670. The trade deadline has come and gone. Josh Hader's a padre. The Brewers don't do much aside from that. No bats are added to this lineup. We're going to go around the MLB in a bit. Look at the rest of the playoff contending teams and what they did, especially those within the National League, to see where the Brewers currently fall. Uh, But Grant, I neglected to mention this in the first hour. Uh, Rest in peace to Vin Scully. Uh, Sad news coming last night. I was already asleep by this point. But Vin Scully passed away last night at the age of 94. Uh, Long time MLB and really all sports broadcaster, but obviously known for being the voice of the Dodgers for 67 years. I mean, when you talk about baseball, his name cannot be omitted from any conversation. I think as someone who is clearly going into a broadcast like medium, not play by play, but something similar, you know, it's one of those things where growing up, I, I've always thought about this as my future, but still growing up, you really, I, there are certain voices that kind of lead you through certain sports, certain times, whenever you're watching, whether it's golf, football, baseball, Vin Scully is just one of those voices and those people that kind of made and formed baseball into what it is today. I think is a good way to say it. It's been great to see. I, there are a lot of clips going around of the terrific stories he would tell while on air yeah. and how he would weave them in and out of pitches. But I thought I had to mention that. I mean, sad yeah. news. He was 94. He, I mean, he did it until 2016, which is nuts. He was 88 when he logged off and did not miss a step. I mean, he was sharp until the very end. So sad. These guys I, are, yeah, not to cut you off. These guys are broadcasting superheroes. They're so good at it. And I go to and from Milwaukee a lot or this weekend, I'm going to be coming to Madison and on my drive, especially coming back to lacrosse on Sundays, I'll listen to the Brewer game and even Levering and Grindle when Bob Euchre isn't doing games for the Brewers. It's amazing how these guys can comfortably sit there for four hours and talk to you and keep you on the hook and keep you engaged when really they're explaining baseball, which isn't that exciting of a sport. Like sometimes it's boring to watch, let alone listen to. So all of these guys who can do baseball on the radio have this talent and have this knack for really keeping people there and and connecting with people. And Vin Scully was obviously the best. I think it's him and Euchre are two brilliant examples of, of people who can talk to people through a microphone, like they're sitting in a room with them. And that is an insanely hard thing to do. Uh, And Vin Scully and Euchre certainly have their differences, but Vin Scully, I mean, look at all the the tweets in the comments last night from people who said, hey, when I went to college or hey, when I was growing up, I listened every night and he felt like a friend. He felt like someone I knew. And that's really hard to do. And Vin Scully was the best at it. Yeah, agree completely. I found one clip that I'm going to play as a a proper ode. I mean, he was the way that he went in and out of the pitch by pitch. And this was a TV call, but it still works as a radio. And that's what's beautiful about it. So many of the great TV guys we see, especially for local teams, started on radio or at least made their mark on radio. And that's where the true storytelling of a sport like baseball comes from. But this is one I this is some years ago. Giants at the Dodgers. Madison Bumgarner is on the bump. Uh, Here's a it's a terrific story. Here it is. 
You know, Bumgarner tells a story which, in a sense, reminds you of what it takes to be a big league ball player. It's two years ago in spring training, and he and his wife were roping cattle, which is what they do. One one pitch, sinker low, ball two, two and one, and they were startled by a large snake. And Madison thought it was a rattlesnake, so he grabbed an axe and he hacked the snake to pieces. But there's something more to the story. Two one pitch, low ball three, three and one. When his wife Allie and an expert field dresser examined what was left of the snake, she found two baby jackrabbits inside pieces of the snake and extracted them. 3-1 pitch to Turner way inside ball four and after she extracted them a short while later the Bumgarners noticed that one of the rabbits had moved slightly it was alive well his wife brought the rabbit back to their apartment for the next few days they kept it warm bottle nursed it and the rabbit soon was healthy enough that they released it into the wild and Madison said just think about how tough that rabbit was. First it gets eaten by a snake, then the snake gets chopped to pieces, then it gets picked up by people and lives. It's all true. Meanwhile, line drive base hit to center by Hendrick, and the Dodgers are in business, first and second and nobody out. So I guess really the morale of the whole story about the rabbit and the snake, you've got to somehow survive, you've got to somehow battle back. There he is, Vin Scully. I mean, just terrific. There are so many videos like that. I urge you, if you can, scroll Twitter. And, I mean, so many of those are getting thrown out there. Similar ilk to that. Just, I mean, terrific. The, I mean, one of the, if not the voices of baseball, really, for the last 70 to 80 years. So he passed away last night at at age 94. Unfortunately, Grant, I, I don't know the best words to properly transition from that to Josh Hader being traded and the deadline Speaking of getting cut to bits. Let's talk about the Brewers roster. I let's talk about the Brewers bullpen. There you go. I mentioned when you stepped away for a little bit, the guys they got back for Josh Hader and Taylor Rogers. I'm fine with, I've said he'll be good. He's not Josh Hader. He's going to have some moments where he blows up. How is that accepted in the clubhouse? We shall see. I played the Devin Williams audio, which I don't know if you had previously played, but I, it's interesting. At the end, he says, you know, it's it's weird sometimes. Sometimes you don't get it. I want to win. You can maybe connect that back to Hater going. Yeah. But this whole, like, I, I think a lot of us, uh, we're all ta- trying to talk ourselves into the return for him. A guy like Denilson Lamette, who has a 9.49 ERA this season, who hasn't been good in two years and was hurt in between that time. You can connect some of the struggles to that injury. I said uh, Denilson Lamette was good in 2020. He was great in 2020. And Trevor Rosenthal last pitched in the bigs in 2020. Both of those guys last were effective slash last pitched before Graham Mertz started a football game. And everyone makes jokes about how long Graham Mertz has been there, but there was some perspective for you. It's not yeah. like these guys are out here crushing it. So I, I can't talk myself into all of this return and really moving forward in a positive direction. Like I didn't the Mets not going into the rotation. I tweeted no. this. I'd rather Jason Alexander start games. 
which I loved that tweet. It tells you way. enough. It made me smile. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the return they got for Hater. Uh, I have like two, I have a couple questions I want to ask you. The first question, they tried to get major league help and a supplement for their farm system. So they got a little prospect, a little major league help. Should they have gone all in on one or the other to maximize the return? If they wanted major league help, they should have gone all major league help, only major league help. If they wanted prospects, which, okay, fine too, but go all prospects, get the best prospects you can. I feel like trying to do both, try to get a little prospect, a little major league help, I feel like that damaged the return in both sides of the equation. Do you get what I'm saying? That could be true. I mean, the shame here is they get Gasser, who's the number eight or was the number eight prospect in the Padres system. And then the Padres turn around and trade three of the top five or whatever the math is for Juan Soto. So it's a shame that you do this deal for, you know, one of the more highly touted players in baseball at this point, a high leverage reliever that can shut down an inning or multiple if he wants to. And you don't even get any of the big ticket prospects in the system. I don't think either or maybe had a big impact on that, but just in general, doing a deal with the team and maybe it's good. Maybe the Padres took Soto away from the Cardinals, but I mean, it's destiny. The Padres and Brewers are going to meet in the playoffs and all these guys are going to have a big role. Loser mentality, by the way, because when the Packers lose out on free agents and we get mad because Vikings and Bears fans were like, Oh, you missed that guy. That's what Brewers fans do with the Cardinals. And that's what we make fun of Vikings and Bears fans for. So there's zero win in him not going to the Cardinals. That That's no consolation prize to me. Um, God, makes me mad. Makes I, me very mad. I might try to become the stunt double for the guy who, or the guy in the Packers front office who leaks to the media after every big ticket free agent signs and says yeah. we were in on him. Yeah. The cl- classic Danny Ainge. We almost did it, but we just, you know, came up to short. Uh, well, you mentioned, you know, they were able to go get Soto, the Mariners, for example, the Mariners get Castillo and they're out of the running. I'm not saying that hater maybe commands as much as Castillo, but the idea that they could add him and then essentially say, Oh, we got 24 hours. Now let's go after the big boy. That should not have been able to happen. That makes me really upset. Yep. I'm with you. I think a lot also share your opinion. 877-867-1670 if you want to chime in on the deadline. Looking around baseball a little bit, and this will obviously come back to the Brewers, the Yankees made that deal for Ben Attendee last week. He was off the board very early. He was never really a guy that we were in on, yet looking back, him or what they did with the offense, I'd take him every day of the week. At least he could play center field and give you something. The Mariners, as you mentioned, they go all in for Luis Castillo. Uh, a starter with control, I believe. The Tampa Bay Rays trade for David Peralta from the Diamondbacks. That was another bat that, or a glove that could maybe fit in in the Brewers lineup and and field right now. The Yankees they get Scott Efros, a relief pitcher, and another one as well. They also trade for my favorite guy on the market, Frankie Montas, starting pitcher. Yeah. So the Yankees made big moves. The Padres, as we mentioned, they get Hater. Uh, Yankees also grab Lou Trevino from the athletics. Uh, it'll be funny because Lou Trevino will be throwing to Jose Trevino behind the plate. That isn't as good as a Bud Black versus a Black and Decker battery there, but Trevino yeah. Trevino will be a funny one. A three-team trade sent 
Trey Mancini, first baseman DH to the Houston Astros. The Orioles got some prospects. The Rays got Jose, Jose Siri, excuse me. The Astros then also traded for Christian Vasquez, the catcher from Boston. The Red Sox kind of were stuck in the middle, but they made move uh, pretty big moves either way. They trade for Tommy Pham from the Reds. Maybe he could have fit too. I mean, his bat hasn't been great this season, but he's shown it in the past. The White Sox trade for Jake Diekman from the, from the Red Sox. The Cardinals, as I've mentioned, they grab Jose Quintana from the Pirates. He's a Brewers killer. You know he's going to factor into the division race. So they bolster right. their pitching staff a good amount. They got Chris Stratton as well from the Pirates. Then you move forward. The Atlanta Braves, they get Robbie Grossman. It's kind of a, uh, ever for me. They also grab Jake Odorizzi from the Astros. Also not the biggest move. Astros got Will Smith, left-handed reliever, back in that deal. You move forward, the the Twins. This is such a hard comparison for me because did the Twins go make some big splash? Not really. But you know what they did, Grant? They they tried to get better in the last couple of days. They got Tyler Maley from the Reds. They got closer Jorge Lopez from the Orioles. Their big problem has been pitching, rotation, uh, closing depth, all that stuff. And they went out and they made moves at those spots. Will they all work? Probably not because it's, you know, the Minnesota Twins. But still, like they can easily sell to the fan base and sell to everybody that, hey, look, we're making big moves to try to win. We had holes and we have at least tried to bolster those spots during the deadline. Moving forward quickly uh, before we hit break and come back with more on the deadline. The Blue Jays traded for Anthony Bass, a couple right-handed relievers, uh, Anthony Bass, Zach Pop. Eric Hosmer, after he almost held up the Juan Soto trade, goes to the Boston Red Sox for next to nothing. They're just going to eat the salary. Joey Gallo, interesting, goes to the Dodgers. Probably the prime buy low candidate. Again, would I rather have what the Brewers did, which is nothing, or Joey Gallo? Take Joey Gallo. Just throw a dart at the board and hope it hits. Hope he finds something. There's the Juan Soto blockbuster we talked about. Juan Soto and Josh Bell go to the San Diego Padres. Meanwhile, the Nationals get C.J. Abrams, middle infielder who was already with the big league club. Mackenzie Gore, former top prospect pitcher, currently with the big league club. And then some big-time prospects. Robert Hassel, the number one in their organization. James Wood, an outfielder that the Padres and Nationals love. Jarlin Susana, a right-handed pitching prospect. And then also Luke Voigt. So, obviously a massive haul back for those guys. But the fact Josh Bell was thrown in there, too, kind of insult to the Brewers' injury. You remember when I brought this up with the athletics a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. I'm like, hey, try to get Montas. Maybe we can get him to throw in Loriano. That's what they did. What is the team's doing this? The Nationals did this with Trey Turner, too. They're like, we'll give up our best guy. Also take this other good player, too. Yep. I don't get it. I mean, it sucks. Um, The Phillies trade for Brandon Marsh, center fielder. Big time glove. Not much at the plate, but a lot of team control there. I mean, that's a guy that could have fit with the Brewers. Is he hitting the ball well? Is he a major league hitter at this point? No. Yeah. But is he a probably better hitter than Jonathan Davis? Yeah. And he brings a terrific center field glove. And he's under team control until 2027. So hopefully you can fix something in the swing and then move forward with your everyday center fielder. Uh, the Phillies also grabbed David Robertson, relief pitcher from the Cubs. The New York Mets, here's another guy that could have fit in Milwaukee. Darren Ruff from the Giants. Mm-hmm. 
a guy that crushes lefties. And if the Brewers need one thing, it's a guy to do that. The Mets now have a DH platoon of Darren Ruff and Daniel Vogelback, two guys that crush one-sided pitchers. Ruff against lefties, lefties. Vogelback. in the playoffs. And Vogelback against righties. So they just platoon. Every day they switch off there, and I think that's going to work well. The Reds did trade Brandon Drury, infielder. He also went to the Padres, so the Padres loaded up, and then some more smaller moves made as well. Uh, some to note, Whit Merrifield goes to the Toronto Blue Jays from the Royals. Didn't know if he'd be available. That's of note. Yankees grab Harrison Bader from the Cardinals, and that is about it. The Braves also, Rossell Iglesias, closer from the Angels. So, I, I don't know. Looking back, eagle-eye view, it sucks. Yeah. yeah. I think you could say that a lot of these teams made an addition and said, well, at the very least, it's an extra bat who can hit lefties or an extra bat that can hit righty. Like, these teams did something as a signal to everyone, we're going for this. We want to win. We believe in what we're doing. And the Brewers did the opposite. And Stearns might tell us, well, we didn't have an obvious spot to upgrade. You can upgrade anywhere. Any spot could be made better. That's what's frustrating. They could have picked anyone on the market, brought him in, and it would have made total sense, and they didn't. You just teed me up perfectly because yeah. there was something that happened in last night's 5-3 to three loss to Pittsburgh that I think perfectly shows what this team needs and what they were not able to do, or maybe what they chose to not do during the deadline. I'll tell you what it is when we come back. It's Ben Kenny Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back in. It's the Bill Michael Show. I'm Ben Kenny. He is Grant Bills in for Bill today. It's a sounding board Wednesday. If you want to be heard, 877. 877- 867-1670. I'm at Benzie Kenny on Twitter. He is at Wisco Grant. What do you think about the deadline? I I could ask if this team is better, though I expect the answer is probably not. But is there really any confidence now in the message this team is sending or the front office is? Uh, is there confidence that that message could lead to success in the playoffs? Because where I sit today, the answer is no. And could that change? Is this one of the irrational days of reaction? Maybe. But where I sit today, the answer to that is no. So, Grant, yesterday, 5-3 loss against the Pittsburgh Pirates. An irrational person would point to that and say they are 0-1 since trading Hader, while the Padres are 2-0. and I, I may be not the most irrational person, so I'm not going to say that. But uh, there was something that happened in the seventh inning of the game and I think it shows what the team should have done at the deadline and what their roster needs. Uh, but first, 877-867-1670, line one. Welcome to the Bill Michaels Show. Who do we got? Hello, line one. Hello. You there. Or not. Hello. Uh, try it again. Uh, the problem is, as normally happens when we host this show, there's no producer to screen calls. So when the calls oh, come yeah. in, they go straight to the board. Uh, let's try this one more time. Line one. Welcome to the Bill Michaels show. Who do we got? Hey, my name is Mike. I'm here in Eau Claire. Hey, Mike. Hey. What's going on? Hey, and uh, 
I just bought a $170 um, hater jersey, and I just got little pieces of the apple, and I'm really <laughs> frustrated with them. And it seemed last night when I was watching the game, it's almost like they tried to throw the game. Yeah. Now, a little bit. I want to ask yeah. first, how did the apple taste? Was it like pretty, a crisp apple, or was it, it was, a little mushy? No, it was mushy. Ugh. I hate those apples. Yeah, I was pretty. Uh, I was pretty upset. You know what I mean? And the deal is, is that I just—it almost like they, they took out. Tellez hit a home run the time at bat before that, and mm-hmm. he's coming up with bases loaded. They pulled him for somebody else, and it's the same thing to Colton Wong. Yeah, it's almost like they're trying to throw the game, and and I don't understand it. I'm just completely beside myself. I mean, I love listening to the Brewers. It's like my highlight of the day. And, you know, I live close enough to Minnesota that I could switch to be a Twins fan, but there's not a whole lot difference. They're small market teams. And I've said this before, until they get some kind of parity in Major League Baseball, us people from Milwaukee, Minnesota, the smaller market teams are just going to suffer. And it really sucks. I was listening to you guys, and it just almost oppresses me. But everything you're saying is true. Everybody got better, but we just got worse. And I thought, my goodness, a, a haul for Josh Hader has got to be amazing. And we got four average players the way it looks. I mean, I'm upset. And, I mean, I love the Brewers, and I, I'm going to follow them till the rest of the year. And then when we lose that first round of the playoffs, I think I'm going to find another hobby next year. I got you. I appreciate the phone call, man. I mean, Thanks, I'm, Mike. I'm sure many share that same sentiment. When you mention the difference between – the Brewers and the Twins, there is one glaring one. The Twins got better at the trade deadline. They traded they for a tried. starter. They traded for yeah. two relievers. They at least told their fan base and all those that follow it that we're trying to win. They at least faked it at the very least. Like, I have a couple of buddies because I grew up very close to Mike, about a half hour away from Eau Claire, which is closer to the Twin Cities. So I have a lot of friends who are Twins fans. They thought that the Twins were going to deal Carlos Correa. They were scared that they were going to sell. And instead... They end up getting a couple of arms. They're like, wow, this is great. I don't know if it makes the Twins good enough to win an AL pennant, but at least they tried. Right. They faked it. Yep. And Mike also mentioned something with the game, and that's exactly what I was going to touch on. So it's the top of the sixth inning. The Brewers score three runs. Adamas goes deep. Telez goes deep. Wong even goes deep. You come back the next inning, and Corbin Burns had just given up three runs or five runs, excuse me, to Pittsburgh. So it's a 5-3 game. And yes, that's an outlier inning from Corbin Burns. You're not going to see those very often, but you're down two. You come up in the top of the seven. Tyrone Taylor grounds out. Yelich singles. Adamas doubles. Second and third. Tying run at second base with one out. They bring in a lefty. The Pirates do. Manny Benuelos. And what does Craig Council do? And I'm not faulting Council here. This is a broader statement about the depth of this team and what the front office did not do. Council brings in Mike Brasso who's been good against lefties. I mean, he's been a really good utility bat this season. He gets hit by a pitch. So there's the bases loaded. Telez is out of the lineup, but bases loaded with one out. McCutcheon comes up, another righty. You hope he can get a knock off the lefty. He flies out. But then what does Council have to do right after that? Colton Wong is coming up to bat. Colton Wong has been putrid against lefties this season. He hasn't been great at the plate in general. Craig Council brings in a pinch hitter. He brings in Pedro Severino. If the team was constructed well enough to go win in the playoffs, there is never a bases loaded two outs, top of the seven, down two runs scenario 
where Pedro Severino has to come to bat. And I don't want to use this as a knock against him. He is just not as prolific a hitter as you want coming off the bench. If you point to one thing the Brewers could have done that's not major, how about a righty that crushes lefties? How about a guy that can come in off the bench in a pinch hitting role and go do damage? The Mets traded for Darren Ruff. He's going to be more of an everyday guy. But CJ Crone was out there. They could have found him spots in the lineup as well. There were so many opportunities for situations exactly like that. Severino comes up and he strikes out. But in general, one, he's not playing in the playoffs. So you're going to have to go even deeper than that. But two, the whole point of bolstering your team at the deadline is to create depth that's good enough. So those situations, you have good hitters coming up to bat. That's what troubled me about last night. Well, forget bringing someone off the bench. The fact that Craig Council had to pull his five hitter and supposed everyday starting second baseman because he's that bad against lefties just goes to show you. You know what I mean? Like if, if you're the bottom of the order and Tyrone Taylor's coming up, eh, not great against lefties. We'll pull our nine hole hitter. Sure. A, a lot of managers would do that. Council was in a position last night where he basically couldn't hit his fifth hitter because he, he's that bad against one side of or at one side of the plate or against one side of the pitching or you know what I'm saying. Right. The fact that council even had to ponder and make those decisions sucks. And by the way, I don't mind the Brasso thing because Brasso has been really, really good against lefties. I like the Brasso thing. Yes. He got hit. That's tough luck. You know what I mean? Well, not actually because it loaded the bases, but I like the Brasso move. But the fact that he had to pull Colton Wong, that just that's a position that I don't want my manager to be in if he's managing a team that's supposed to be able to win their division. I even kind of liked the one thing. I think the, the thought process and the move was correct in that spot. Just the result was bad and the result was bad partially because I, the personnel, the team has and and what they're kind of stuck with grant. They still have three catchers. What this team, I was going to tweet this last night, but I've tweeted so much about the brewers. I I've had to check myself. I'm like, come on, (laughs) like, because I think of, you know, people that I meet for the show, like guests that I have on. It's like, yeah, I got that guy to follow me. He covers this team. And I just wonder what they think as I melt down and send 30 tweets ab- about the Brewers a day. But I was going to tweet last night. The Brewers front office showed more loyalty to a catcher who's been here, not even a full season, who is suspended and can't play in the playoffs. More loyalty to that guy than they showed to Josh Hader. What is that? I was going to tweet that, but didn't. Been yeah. tweeting too much. Well, you should have. Um, AJ chimes in on Twitter at Ben Z. Kenny at Wisco Grant. Being an L.A. fan, I'm just laughing at the Brewers. Winning the division and the goal is to win the World Series and they trade away an all-star closer. I found haters comment funny. Quote, I'm happy to be with an organization that wants to win a World Series. I mean, it's it, it's tough. Um, it is funny. It's I had to laugh last night when I saw it. I couldn't believe it was real. Um, Grant, actually, we have a surprise little guest that came to make a comment to you, uh, our morning guy, Ebo, the man, the myth, the legend. Grant, good morning. Um, uh, or good, good afternoon. Morning, good morning. Good morning. So you, you had mentioned your Twitter account and you're going through it lately and I couldn't help but laugh at a couple of your tweets. They're phenomenal this morning. Definitely. Uh, tell me if I'm saying it wrong. Cause I laughed at your tweet. I hope Mark Adonazio knows 80% of Brewers fans don't know how to say his name. Right. Did I say it right? <laughs> yeah. Most. A lot of Brewers fans say Anastasio, like oh. Trey Anastasio. So I'm saying it right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm so mad at him that I want to say it wrong. I really wish we'll you were say, saying it wrong. Start saying Anastasio. Oh, Mark Anastasio, oh, you done effed up, man. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's all I needed. Thanks, Grant. Your Twitter, Twitter's killing it. Well, there he is. Thank you, Evo. 
I was surprised I've that a lot did, of tweets in the draft. So. I was surprised that did not have to do with Grant's previous tweets about making a World Series. Which I, I mean, at this point, I kind of understand hey. where he's coming from. Hey, because it might never happen. Say, can I just say, last summer I said I, I would give me the Brewers guaranteed to make the World Series. Do you guys see why now? Well, I, I would take Grant, that. Grant, here's the thing: I thought Always that back. I thought that you of all people would have loved all of these moves that they made, especially signing a guy who hadn't pitched in two years in Rosenthal. Because when you said that I would rather have the Brewers lose in a World Series and the Packers win a Super Bowl, I thought you would have signed, sealed, and delivered all of these contracts with these new players. Do you understand making a World Series is hard? Making a World Series means you make moves at the deadline to make your team better. Do you think the the Buffalo Bills celebrate going to four straight uh, Super Super Bowls and losing? We're the Milwaukee Brewers. We're a poverty franchise. The Brewers the are celebrating are a World Series losing team this weekend. I don't celebrate it. It's disgusting. Ago. It's disgusting. I saw a license. I saw a vanity license plate with it the other day, and I about drove myself into a bridge embankment. Uh, <laughs> you should. As you should. All right. Uh, we're going to step away here. Take a quick break. Good stuff. Mike Clements is going to join us coming up in about 15 minutes to give us the latest at Packers camp. We're talking deadline. We're talking Brewers. Are you in the same headspace that Grant and I are in and everyone else we've heard from today that not enough was done and it's it's just not really assuring what the team did and the message they're sending to their fan base. We're talking about it more when we come back. It's Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. It's the Bill Michaels show. I'm Ben Kenny. He is Grant Bills. Mike Clemens joining us next. Kurt Hogue covers the Brewers for the Journal Sentinel. He will join us next hour to talk about the deadline. Grant, I hope he can talk me off all the ledges I'm on right now with this baseball team, but I don't really know if he will. Uh, Now, Kurt's a fun guest. Upbeat, positive, but I don't know if, I mean, what could he possibly say to talk you off this ledge? You know what, what is there to say? I think it's very obvious the situation we're in, and I don't know if any positive spin can really change that. Well, here's what I want to ask him, and I want to pose this to you first. I mean, who are we mad at today? I haven't really narrowed it in yet because here's the thing. I cannot be mad at Craig Council. His hands are tied. I just talked about the game last night. When you think a great move can be made with a pinch hitter or a bullpen piece or whatever, he can only do with the players that he has. I can't really be mad at Stearns because he has done a terrific job yet in general, I would say I trust him more often than not. I am just diametrically opposed to how the deadline was handled. Is it all Adonacio? It's like, I, it's a small market thing, I guess. First and foremost, uh, I well, think you're back. Here's here's the issue, and I'm glad that you went on that little 20 second uh, rant. Not a rant, but you're you are figuring out why this is so frustrating. We can't be mad at Council because Council can only manage the pieces that Stearns gives him, and he's done a great job. And I think he's done a great job. Stearns can't be mad at him 
because he can only operate under the parameters that ownership sets. And I think in those parameters, Stearns has also done a great job. And as soon as you get to the owner and you want to criticize him, you hear one of two things from a lot of Brewers fans. Well, you know, uh, what do you, you expect him to bankrupt himself? Uh, he's got to run it like a business. Okay, well, we're not getting anywhere there. And then a lot of other fans will say, well, we're a small market. We have to operate this way. It's baseball's fault. You can't stick blame anywhere with this team because it's, you, you just go down this rabbit hole that goes further and further and further, and you never get anywhere. That's what's frustrating about this. I agree. Here's why I don't think it's baseball's fault. I think in general, there are a lot of things that are. The fact that name a big-time free agent, the fact that the Brewers will not be in the running, the fact that they have to operate differently, but I still think the situation that they have found themselves in was avoidable. I said it earlier. Go trade Hater during the offseason and get less. I'm fine with it. They can keep a Steri Ruiz, the center fielder that likely won't be a big league hitter. And if he is, then great, but he's fast, whatever. Keep him. Trade him during the offseason. Need the rest of this year with Hater. Keep the core together. So the situation is kind of avoidable. And the Brewers are the smallest media market. I said this earlier. But the San Diego Padres are the seventh smallest. They are not by any means towards the top of of baseball in terms of market size and share and all that stuff. The Padres payroll, $247 million, And it's only going to go up because they have a lot of guys now that are due for big contracts. The Brewers payroll is $100 million lower. But it doesn't even have to be a payroll thing. Like five extra million to Josh Hader if he plays next season. Trade him before that point. Or at least find some way to make moves that don't mess up your finances. I don't think it's necessarily completely financial based. I think a lot of this is a, a mentality thing that this, this Apple crap that we hear from David Stearns about, we want to take as many bites at the apple as possible. Well, guess what? As I said earlier, it's really hard to eat apples when you don't have teeth. Yeah. I, I look again, my expectations for the brewers aren't that high. I don't expect you to give 15 years, 500 million to Juan Soto. But can you like, can you pony up an extra five million for Hater for the last year of arbitration? They won't yeah. even do that. Again, I don't think baseball is making them trade Hater a year early. I think that's their choice. They yes have to operate a little bit behind the eight balls, a smaller market, but not to this degree. One hundred, yeah, one hundred, one hundred percent. And their farm system is not great. They have some guys towards the top. Trading them, I, I would have been in favor of because you will not have a window with this pitching forever. And even if we've learned anything from this deadline, they are more than capable of just saying, you know what, Corbin Burns, you have another year of ARB, and then we're going to have to pay you. But we could get these big prospects back and another starter that's okay. I think they've proven to us at this deadline they are more than capable of doing what they did with Hater, but to some of the starters. And that's oh, yeah. concerning. Well, that's what's frustrating. Again, we're never going to get there. We're friend zoned by this team, right? We can, like, if you ever been friend zoned by a by a woman, Ben, not to ask you about your person, yeah, but it's happened to us, of all. course. And you get stuck in this cycle where, well, if I just do something nice for them, maybe I can finally break through. And then, and then you're you're spurned by this woman that you're in the friend zone with, and you think, oh, okay, well, let's give it another year. Let's give it a little more time. I'll, I'll play the long game, and you just keep convincing yourself that it can happen. And with the Brewers. Right, we're spurned by them trading hater. But it would be easy, and I think some Brewers fans have convinced themselves, well, we got more prospects, and now in another year or in two years, then we'll get no, we're never getting there. 
because there's going to be another Josh Hader that they trade and another Trevor Rosenthal that they find at the deadline for some reason. Like, this is just going to repeat. 877. I, that's just a sad couple sentences to hear, but you're right. I, I agree completely. 877-867-1670. We're going to step away here. When we come back, Mike Clemens will join. He will give us the latest at Packers training camp and practice what he is seeing. Um, we might try to make some Aaron Rodgers rumors just to spice it up. We haven't done Rodgers talk yet. Uh, the world-renowned Rodgers talk segment. But we'll talk to Clemens about what's going on up there in Green Bay. A lot more on the Brewers coming up later. We will also hear from Matt LaFleur. We will hear from Brian Gudikins, who both spoke with the media earlier today. That's all coming up later on. Also, Kurt Hogg, or Kurt Hogue, excuse me. 1230 from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel covers the Brewers. He'll join us and talk deadline. Mike Clemens is next, though. It's Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Ready? This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, a training camp update. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers held their first practice in full pads, and it was a chance for the defensive line to show off their potential. How did it feel to finally hit somebody? Packers' new defensive tackle, Jerron Reed. Oh, it felt good. I'm getting in my groove now. You know, that's what we all look for. We want to get out the T-shirts and put the real pads on to see where everybody at. Reed is 29 years old, been five seasons with the Seahawks, and last year with the Chiefs, Jerron Reed says with Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, and first-round pick Devontae Wyatt, the Packers' defensive line has a lot of potential. You know, all of us together, you know, D. Wyatt, uh, you know, the guys that's come behind us, everybody, you know, we all can add in, we all can contribute. Like, there's no starters in my book, you know, because we all can be starters. And uh, we we just want to push each other to be the best we can be. And with T.J. Slayton back from last year and six foot five rookie Jonathan Ford, the Packers' depth on the defensive line is impressive. Dean Lowry. Yeah, I think as of right now, we do have the experience in the D line uh, that helps a lot, just with communication, um, talking about past things that have happened to us, different formations, and um, just trying to learn from each day. But it's good for us because we're seeing different guys up front. We're not seeing the same old linemen every single day, so it's good work for us to see different guys and different body types across from center guard to tackle and it's been really really productive so far that's packers defensive lineman dean lowry in green bay at packers training camp i'm mike clemens on the bill michaels show welcome back in ben kenny grant bills in for bill michaels today that was the voice of one mike clemens up in green bay and he joins us now on the hotline, Mike, uh, first and foremost, do you have any scalding reaction to the Brewers' inadequate trade deadline? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, people kept on saying, oh, well, that's, certainly they're going to, this is not just the end of it. I mean, they're going to they're gonna re-spin these, these prospects and go get a bat. And I just thought, have you folks never heard of a three-way trade? I mean, that was it. I, I, and I... And I think some of the players' reactions that I saw last night after the game said it all. I, I think the message they sent out was, uh, you're in first place. Why are you giving up on this season? And I forget about all that stuff about we're going to be great in 2024. Right. I, I, you know, that, that really seems to have deflated the, the, the clubhouse, and I think that's the most important part of it. Yeah, I'm with you. So catch us up. What's been going on up in Green Bay both today and yesterday? We had some uh, rain here this morning, and it stopped. But this is a run-through practice today. After 
two days in pads. Yesterday, full pads. Um, LaFleur always watching, being mindful of not uh, overloading these players. You know, if you look closely, you know, I try and take some of these close-up pictures that I put on Twitter, the players. You know, if you look at the back of their jerseys, there's these two little things that look like, you know, little round bars of soap. That's where the GPS sensors are. And so I think he even gets updates during practice as how the workload is. So he's watching his reps today. And what he did is he got a whole lot more snaps in at half speed as they try and finish installing the the playbook. They're up to installation number seven out of ten. So that's what we're doing today. Um, the story that I'm focused on is this. Everybody, of course, nationally after Devontae Adams leaves, they're talking about, oh, this young receiver core. Hell, there's plenty of guys that he's got to go to between Randall and Sammy. Sammy Watkins looking pretty good, by the way, some of these catches he's brought in. I, I, to me, the flashing uh, signal, uh, red light, is offensive line. I mean, you know, in the last two or three years, LaFleur's first couple of years here, he had a he had a pretty good veteran group out there. And, and then suddenly, you know, Billy Turner's out the door, and Lucas Patrick is gone, and guys like Dennis Kelly, who is 31 years old. And now you follow that up with – uh, the most experienced guy that got out there is Josh Nyman, who came in halfway through last season. You're, they're going If they had to play this weekend, and they're still waiting for Elton Jenkins and Bakhtiari to get back on the field, the guy with the most snaps is maybe 20 career appearances in NFL games. Usually you've got at least one or two guys that have had 50 games or more. Hmm. Yeah, that's it's definitely glaring. A lot of talk about Zach Tom so far in that room and about how versatile he is. Have you seen good things on the field, on the practice field from him? He blew me away last week. Um, that was just helmets and shorts, but they put Rashawn Gary up against this guy. He was with the twos with Jordan Love's team, and the footwork was amazing. So that's when I went right up there and talked to him right after that practice because I thought, God, he looked great up against Rashawn in shorts. You know, a very high-speed test. And when I walked up, I was like, oh, man, he's not big enough to play offensive tackle. He's a, he's a guard. It's 6'4". He's a guard. You want 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and all that. But the next day, they put him with the ones, and he was with the ones again. They're running him at right tackle right now, and Josh Nyman at left tackle. And, again, until Jenkins gets back, it's his job to lose at, at rookie right tackle. He, he's that good, even though he's a little undersized, to be on the outside. But that's what he played in college at Wake Forest. Mike Clemens joining us. So we're going to hear from Matt LaFleur coming up in the next hour. But I heard there's big controversy about the jugs machine up in Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, Ben. That's the very last question that was asked. So yesterday, you know, we have another one of these uh, extended special teams plays with the new special teams coordinator, Rich Versace, out there running these guys so that's very impressive but they couldn't get the jugs machine to work right you know you want the ball to come up and then maybe go end over end or if you're if you if you got the jugs machine that thing with the two spinning wheels to shoot the ball you want it to come down you know uh pointing with the nose pointing down they couldn't get the thing to to do that it just kept on it would kept on spinning pointing you know toward the sky north and south which made it kind of impossible and sort of unfair and unrealistic for the kick returners or punt returners to catch it and LaFleur got mad so so apparently somebody's on ebay right now looking for a new jugs machine (laughs) for the green bay packers on national jugs day if you will yeah 
<laughs> yeah. Awesome stuff, Mike. Uh, appreciate you joining us. Excited to hear that exact clip from LaFleur coming up. But we'll talk Thanks, again Mike. on Friday later in the week. Sounds good, Ben. Talk to you then. Awesome. There he is. The one, the only, the great Mike Clemens. Big jugs controversy up in Green Bay on a very notable day in that regard. Uh, Zach, Tom, good news there. I was going to ask if the Romeo dubs thing was real, but that can be a conversation we have (laughs) as time goes on. It always seems like it's too good to be true. All right. When we come back, we will hear from Matt LaFleur. It's Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.